So, this is Vibe Drive, episode number 91. And this one should be a particularly good one. I got the Sultan of Audio on deck. I got my man Banjo, Mr. Podcast Stitches here. And he's coming up next on Vibe Drive, which starts now. What's up, people? This your boy, Viper, the man about tech, and welcome back to another episode of Fight Drive. It is the podcast about tech, hosted by the man about tech, and as I alluded to in my introduction, this one should be a particularly good episode of the podcast. I have the Sultan of Audio. I have the Audio Police himself. I got my man, Banjo, or as you better know him as, Pot. Cast is here. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing super well, Viper. How are you doing? I am doing. Do y'all hear that buttery smooth audio? I am working with the sure essence of a being. You make me look like an amateur right now. It's, it's terrible right now. <laughs> you sound amazing on the seven B. You oh, sound man. awesome. <laughs> but, all right, before we get started, what mic are you using tonight? Tonight, because it sounds like buttery smooth. Okay, so this is the Mojave MA two zero one FET, and. This one has a particular amount of weight in the low end. I, I don't have what people would call a a smooth or buttery voice normally, but this one just adds a bunch of balls in the low end. It really helps me out, so uh, I, I'm enjoying it. Did you just say it adds a bunch of balls on the low end? Yeah. Like right. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I'm not even about to elaborate. If you don't, if you don't get the reference, if you don't get the joke, then I don't know what to tell you. But thank you for joining me tonight, man. I appreciate you. It, it's my pleasure. I I love what you're doing. I don't think there's anybody more energetic or fun to watch in the tech arena than you. So Aww. it's an honor to be oh, asked by you, you to be on. You flatter me, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate you, baby. I appreciate you. First question that I ask every new guest on the podcast: What brought you to YouTube? Well. I started making videos in 2003, and at that time, I was paying for hosting and bandwidth for that video. Every single time somebody played the video, you had to pay for it. So for two years, I was accruing those costs, and then in 2005, I heard of this thing called YouTube where you could upload. It was free. You didn't have to pay for hosting. You didn't have to pay for bandwidth, and it blew my mind. So. In 2005, I made the jump and started uploading videos. So I was uploading a bunch of music videos. I had one back in 2006, I think it was, that ended up going viral. Back in those days, I think it peaked at 800,000 views. So I, it was a cover of a band's song. And when I would go to this band's shows, everybody would recognize me. It was really weird. But... <laughs> But around 2009, I stopped making videos, went back to college, got my master's degree, and then in 2015, started making audio reviews, audio gear reviews. Because it, why I started again, I guess I should address that, is I was starting a podcast and I was looking for a specific microphone and reviews and trying to find all the information that I could, and I couldn't find the information that I wanted. So I figured, I know a little bit about audio. I've recorded demos for my band for years, so I, I have a working knowledge. So I decided I would try to fill the hole of information because I'm sure that I wasn't the only one 
who was looking for it. And I, I guess I got a little bit lucky because there are people as weird as me <laughs> who like microphones as much. You know, it's funny that you uh, say that you were looking for an audio tutorial. So that's why you started making audio content in the first place, because I don't know. I think, oh, yeah, I was talking with iPhone, though, last week or yeah, last week. And he would talk about how there's not too many audio teachers out there. There's not many people out there willing to teach audio. But we know you, Bandrew, you are more than willing to teach proper audio. How do you mic properly? Things like that. So I guess in a sense, what is it particularly that you didn't see in the tech space as it relates to audio that you felt like you could bring to the table? So at the time, it seemed like a lot of the people who were making audio content were the retailers. And I don't think that retailers are going to be willing to say this sucks. <laughs> and the the number of people who were individuals making reviews, it, I don't know why somebody would do this. They're reviewing a microphone and they don't use the microphone. They have the microphone, they show the unboxing and they talk about it, but they, they never talked into the microphone. They never spoke into it. And that was the first light bulb moment. Hey, I will make a review of a microphone using the microphone because <laughs> what I was looking for is hearing how the microphone performed, not hearing somebody wax poetic about it or hearing a five-minute diatribe about how somebody's day was before they start even discussing it. So it started with, I am going to buy the microphone, speak into it the entire time, and get to the point. So my early videos were three or five minutes, really, really short. Now they've expanded and they've gotten quite a bit longer because people kept leaving comments, you're an idiot, why didn't you do this test? <laughs> so I just add more and more tests to to appease the people. And, and I hope it's helpful. I think it, it's become a, a rather structured format now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can definitely <clears throat> say that I have probably looked at some of your video while doing uh, microphone research for this particular mic and other mics in general. So the content that you are putting out there is definitely helpful to people that, like me, who really don't know much about audio. Like, I'm an audio noob. I don't know much about audio besides the basics and things like that. So I want to get into your very favorite microphone because I know, Bandrew, that people might not know, but I know what your favorite microphone is. So I think it was five or six years ago, my man Marquez Brownlee, you guys know him as MKBHD, he made a video, and I think the title of the video <laughs> was the, uh, the YouTube Starter Kit. <laughs> yeah. And the microphone that he recommended, which is Bandrew's favorite microphone, that's why he's laughing right now, he came to the We're losing them! We're losing them on the podcast! This is the watershed moment. Pay attention, y'all. But Marquez uh, recommended Bandrew's favorite microphone in that video, which happens to be the vaunted, legendary Blue, Blue Yeti. Yeti. Now I know, Bandrew, that you have uh you have a thousand problems with the Blue Yeti. So why don't you talk to us about your issue with that particular microphone? Okay. Okay. So I, I'm going to come out with a hot take. Let's go. I don't think the Yeti is a bad microphone. I absolutely don't. If you're buying it for the right reasons, it can absolutely be amazing and it's a great value. For a hundred dollars, you get four polar patterns. Amazing. But most YouTubers, most podcasters only need one polar pattern. So why are they going to spend excess money buying features that they don't need? So there are other options that just offer a single cardioid polar pattern that just picks up audio in front of the microphone and they could save a bit of money. 
Also, it is designed in a way that it is easily misused. I am sure you have seen me and many other people retweeting pictures of all of these broadcasters who are now broadcasting from home, (laughs) speaking into the top of the Blue Yeti or putting it on the desk mount and setting it three or four feet away or putting it on the wrong polar pattern. So based on the design, I understand why it's designed that way because it's you buy it in the box and you can just put it on your desk and start recording. It would be disappointing for a beginner to buy it and and realize when they got home, ah, I don't have what I need. I need to go back to Guitar Center, go to Musician's Friend online and buy one. Right. So I understand why it's that way, but it's so easily misused and no matter what Blue does, they they put a diagram on the box with a big X saying, do not talk into the top of it. And people still do it. People <laughs> still freaking do it. I don't understand it. So Here we go. <laughs> so that's really what bothers me. It's for music, if you're at home and you're just starting out and you have a hundred bucks, you want to record some demos, amazing. If you want to do ASMR, even though I find that content repulsive, amazing. A hundred bucks, you get a stereo microphone. It's killer. But if you're podcasting, you don't need to buy that microphone. If you're a YouTuber, you don't need to buy that microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know I had to talk about it. You knew I had to address this topic because I know how passionate passionate you are about this. You knew I I had to go there. I was preparing this microphone to pull in because I thought you were going to mention this. But as soon as you mentioned it, MKBHD, I said, oh, he's going there. (laughs) He's going there. there. I'm going there. (laughs) I knew exactly what you were going to talk about. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So let's talk about, like, one of the biggest gripes that you see with people who use the Blue Yeti. I was kind of of, uh, guilty of this myself when I first got into it. I think I saw a Wombat Nail video talking about how people are using the Blue Yeti wrong. Like yeah. you said, Bandrew, they talk like into the top of the mic when the Yeti is actually designed in such a way that you should be talking into the side of the mic. Um, why is that mic designed to be talked into from the side instead of like at the top, like most mics that you would think, or maybe I don't know. He he coming right back, y'all. Here we go. Okay, so oh, we, oh here we the, got a prop. We got a we got a prop. But those of y'all listen to audio, we have to have a blue Yeti at the prop here. Let's go. Okay, so the reason that it's designed to be spoken into from the front is because the diaphragm is actually pointing the front forwards and backwards. And that's because it does have multi-patterns. It has a cardioid, which would just pick up audio from the front, but it also has a bi-directional, picks up audio from the rear, and it has an omnidirectional, which picks up audio all the way around. So if it was designed to be spoken into from the top, now the sound would be going in here, and then if you want to do a bi-directional, somebody would be speaking into the butt of it. Mm-hmm. So it has to really be designed to be spoken into from the side so you can have access to all of the different capsules inside of it. Gotcha. Okay, so let's, uh, <clears throat> let's go into audio one-on-one because I'm kind of an audio noob. I mean, I know how to use the mic. I know how to do the basic things uh, of using and functioning the microphone, but... Let's let's talk as if like my, my listeners are familiar with audio and how to use it and the term terminology and things like that. You just explained that the diaphragm is located in such a way that you have to talk into the microphone from the side. So my first question, my first new dumb question, what is a diaphragm as as it relates to audio, obviously? 
Okay, so a diaphragm is just a thin piece of, I think currently they use nylon, a, a very thin, maybe a millimeter or two, probably less than a millimeter actually, typically with a little bit of gold or some kind of conductive metal on the front of it, and that vibrates back and forth with the the sound from your from your voice, the vibrations in the air mm-hmm. from your voice, and then that is converted into electricity based on, there's different ways it does that based on the type of microphone, but it's just a thin piece of metal covered something, and the it vibrates with the movement of the air from your voice. All right, so the diaphragm is just uh, a thin piece of like nylon or something that that uh that uh takes the sound of your voice and it uh it it uses that to create the electricity for the microphone, basically. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's take this even further into audio one on one. So you just said that for those of the, those of uh those new creators starting off on on YouTube or any platform for that matter, or if they start now doing a podcast, they do not need the blue yeti. So for a first time creator just starting off. What should they be looking for in terms of a, of a microphone? Okay, so the first thing that I would recommend is a cardioid microphone. Of course, that's assuming that you don't need the omnidirectional, the bidirectional, or the stereo from the Yeti. If you're just going to be doing a podcast, if it's just you sitting in a room talking, you you need a cardioid microphone. Because and what, is, the, what mean- is the cardioid again? Okay, so a cardioid microphone means that it just picks up audio in the front of it, and mm-hmm. it rejects sound from the rear of it. There we so go. that polar pattern, cardioid, figure eight, those are all called polar patterns. And the cardioid, it looks like a little heart or a little butt. Mm-hmm. That is the one that rejects the most amount of noise from your room of the standard polar patterns. Okay. So you would want a cardioid microphone there there are some there is a bit of a debate on whether or not condenser microphones and dynamic microphones pick up less background noise in my tests dynamics do pick up less background noise so for a starter if you do not have a bunch of room treatment up sound treatment to dampen the sound down dampen the reverberations then you would want to go with a dynamic and it's a meme at this point among everybody in my Discord server, but whenever somebody comes in and says, I'm new, I need a microphone, what do I get? Nine times out of ten, we say, the Samson Q2U. And the reason for that, there's a very, very specific reason. First off, it's extremely affordable. It's about $50. It's a cardioid microphone. It's dynamic. And I actually think that El Jefe in the chat, the, what is he, a year enforcer? <laughs> Yeah, he's my, head of he's security. My, my head of security, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I believe he uses the Q2U, and there's quite a few Q2U gangs in here. Um, so it's cardioid, picking up audio in the front. It's dynamic. I don't know if you want to get into the difference between condenser and dynamic. I'll go in there next, be, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll go in next, yep. <laughs> and it is USB and XLR. So for 50 bucks, you get a microphone you can pull it out of the box, plug it directly into your computer, and start recording. And then down the road, if you're not happy with the sound that you're getting, you can buy a USB audio interface. You can buy an outboard preamp or channel strip like the DBX286S, and you don't need to spend money and replace your microphone. 
because that microphone can function as USB and XLR. So that is the really big selling point. It's 50 bucks and it does so much. It allows you an upgrade path where you don't have to drop more money on something that you don't need. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. See, this is why I'm glad I got you on because I know, like I said, you are the Sultan. You are the master of audio. And for our audio noob like me and anybody else that watches or listens to this podcast and they're starting out, this is a very good podcast for them to listen to. So the other terminology that I hear about as it relates to mics all the time, you got condenser mic and you got dynamic mic. What is the difference? So a dynamic microphone has a permanently charged magnet in there and the diaphragm will vibrate within that magnetic field and that will be converted into electricity and that's output to your preamp. Those microphones are typically very, very quiet because there's no amplification being done in the microphone. Condensers, on the other hand, if I am, it's been maybe two years since I've looked into this. I believe condensers actually have a, they actually charge the capsule. So the capsule becomes polarized when you provide phantom power to them. Dynamic microphones do not require what is called phantom power. Condenser microphones do. And the condenser microphones, because of that, they have electronics inside that actually amplify the signal as well, but it also polarizes the capsule. Now, 48 volt phantom power is just something that you will find on 99% of preamps and audio interfaces. It's a little button or a little switch that says plus 48 volts. And that's because condenser microphones do require power to actually turn on and work because you need to charge that capsule and you need to power the electronics that amplify the signal a little bit. But they're louder and I I have theories about why dynamics and condensers have different properties in terms of pickup. I I don't know, that that may be a bit too in the weeds, but (laughs) that's a, a basic rundown of the differences between dynamic and condenser. Okay, so something that you were talking about a little bit earlier in the podcast you were explaining about how condenser might pick up more background noise than dynamic might. So why is it that condenser might pick up so much more noise in the background than dynamic might? Okay. I, I have a few theories on this. First one being the frequency response of the microphone. A lot of dynamic microphones tend to roll off a lot of frequencies in the upper end Condensers extend all the way through the human hearing range from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, while the dynamics may go from 50 hertz to 15 kilohertz. Mm. So just based on that, the dynamic microphone rolls off a lot of frequencies, meaning it picks those frequencies up significantly softer. So any noise in that frequency range that has been rolled off is going to be picked up less. That's my first theory there. Then, uh, th- this is a crazy one. <laughs> I've not heard anybody talking about this. This is this is exclusive to Vipe Drive. All right. My theory is the actual polar patterns for the microphones are designed differently. The polar pattern is going to be the biggest contributor to that. And when I look at dynamic microphones, I think of what are they designed for? A lot of dynamics, their handheld... I got one right here. Let me pull this out. This is probably the most famous microphone of all time. It's an SM58. 
it's a stage dynamic microphone. Uh. This is designed to be used in really loud environments with a bunch of stuff going on around you. A guitar player over there, drums over there. So they're going to design the polar pattern to be less sensitive in areas that are not directly in front of it because they just want the microphone to pick up your voice. Same with the SM7B. This is designed for radio. There's multiple people talking while they're broadcasting over radio. A bunch of other broadcast dynamic microphones as well. So they are going to try to design the polar pattern to pick up just what's in front of it and reject a lot of other noise because they don't want bleed between the microphones. When you look at condenser microphones, those are mainly the higher end ones were designed to be used in properly designed rooms. So in those rooms, when you're recording an album, most of the time you want to capture the characteristics of the room. You want to pick up that reverb. You want to pick up what's going on around it. So my theory is they actually designed the polar pattern to pick up a little bit more from the sides or the rear. And I think that may be contributing to it as well. Just by design, condensers are mainly used for professional recordings in well-designed rooms, dynamics. They, they try to reject as much noise as possible because they're designed to be used in loud environments with a bunch of noise going on around. Gotcha. All right, so I'm about to do a little demonstration for you guys listening on audio only and those of you all watching the podcast right now. I am speaking into a Shure SM7B right now, which is a dynamic microphone. So when Bandrew says that this microphone is designed to reject noise around it, right now I am talking directly into the Shure SM7B. If I move slightly to my left here, you will hear my voice go down adjustable because I am moving away from the microphone. Now, as I slowly move closer to the microphone, it picks up my voice because I'm closer. That's why I like these dynamic microphones like the Shure. Because, like Bantry said, they only pick up what's directly in front of them, and they reject pretty much anything else that's happening in the background. So if people are outside mowing the lawn or you got the air conditioner on, <laughs> you ain't got to worry about none of that background noise because these dynamic microphones are so excellent at rejecting it and just picking up whatever in front of them, mainly being your voice. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm on a condenser right now. I, I've spent a lot of money on room treatment, so it gives me a little bit of extra leeway because I'm an idiot and I just I can't stop buying audio stuff. But as I move around it, you can still hear that I'm pretty... You can still hear my voice quite a lot from the side. But then when I get back on Axis, it's it's just a different tone. But you still hear a lot of this over here, off to the side. Right. So I think somebody in the chat <laughs> wants me to do a 360-degree test. So right now, I'm talking directly into the Shure SM7B. Now I'm going to rotate the microphone 360 degrees, or actually at least 180. So now the microphone is facing away from me. It's, it's 180 degrees away from me. So now I'm picking up my voice left because it's not directly in front of me anymore. So now when I rotate it back, my voice should become more, um, more bassier, more clear because now I'm back in front of the microphone. Now, this particular microphone, the Shure SM7B, I'm so close to the mic that it's giving off something called a proximity effect. Bandrew, can you please explain what a proximity effect is and what it does and things like that? Absolutely. I don't know the physics behind it. I will okay. say that up front. But <laughs> the proximity effect is something that occurs on microphones that are directional. So when I was talking about the Blue Yeti, 
I mentioned omnidirectional. That would not be a directional polar pattern because it picks up audio all the way around it. So right. with cardioid, with bidirectional, with supercardioid, hypercardioid, any of those, those are directional. And as you get closer to the microphone, the bass in your voice is going to get much more pronounced. It just it gives this really big bass boost. And there are certain microphones that do that really well and offer a warm and lush low end. Then there are some that just get overpowering and they become muddy and messy and just they sound bad when you get too close. So it's basically if you're using a cardioid microphone, you get close to it, it's going to give you a big bass boost. Mm -hmm. So to demonstrate, I'm about what about six inches away from the sure S7B right now. So I'm probably lost a little bit of the bass in my voice. But as I move closer to the mic, the per- that proximity effect is now in effect. <laughs> Pun. Yeah. And now you got the bass back in my voice because I'm right up on the mic. So this, this is a good look. I like to have the mic this close and I like that bass. I like that boom in my voice, especially when I'm doing these podcasts. So that's why I have this mic this close because I get the maximum value that I want and the sound signature that I want out of the mic if I have it this close. And I think uh, Jay Toothson did a video about an audio setup that he recently had. <laughs> yep, you know, we going there too. We going there too. So, so Jay Toothson did a video about how he had a, he purchased a Shure FM7B and he purchased an audio interface and a whole bunch of uh, audio gift for like, what, $800 or whatever. But he wasn't getting the sound that he wanted partially because he was using the SM7B incorrectly because he was too far away from the mic. And I know our buddy Banjo here, he brought out the audio police and did an entire <laughs> counter video explaining why Jay Toothick was using this particular microphone, the Shure SM7B that I'm speaking into right now, why he was using it the incorrect way. Yeah, it's... I, I don't want to be mean. I, I don't want to... I, I tried to be constructive in my video, and I tried to add a little bit of humor there were some people who were pretty angry in the comments, but that happens in every video. But the main thing comes down to I was a little bit disappointed that he clearly had not done proper research into the audio gear before making a video on the topic. I don't think it's wrong for him to make audio content. I just think with a platform of his size, he has a little bit of responsibility to ensure that he's not putting out disinformation or misinformation. And... <laughs> The main issue that he had was he was using the SM7B about a foot and a half, maybe two feet, probably a foot and a half away. And this is one of the quietest microphones that you can buy on the market. You can't do that. You just can't do that. So so watching that was kind of painful because it was abundantly clear that he had not done the proper research. But he did make a correcting video, and I am happy about that. I'm glad he, he got the sound that he wants finally. Really glad that he, he did that. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I watched your video response to his video, and I didn't think your video was negative in any way. You were just offering constructive criticism. And okay. we both know this mic is $400. If you're going to spend this much money on a microphone, <laughs> you want to know how to use it the correct way. There's no point yeah. using it the wrong way if you're going to spend that much money. Because when you buy this particular microphone, this sure SM7B that I'm using right now, you can't just buy only the microphone. At least I, in my in my case, I had to buy the microphone, I had to buy the audio interface, and I had to buy the cloud lifter to go with the microphone and the audio interface. I think in total, this whole setup ran me what, like um, almost eight nine hundred dollars. So this is not a yeah. cheap setup. 
you can't, like I said, you just can't buy the microphone by itself and be good to go. This microphone, oh, I almost got the SLR cable too. But this microphone yeah. is an entire setup that you need to buy. So if you're going to go out and spend the money that you spend for this microphone, you better be using it correctly. And if you're not, then we, we got we to gotta, we gotta address it. <laughs> yeah. And I think he bought everything that he needed. He just, he didn't do five minutes of research to say, okay, this is a broadcast dynamic. It's not a shotgun microphone. It needs to be three inches away, and then we're good. Right. And that would have given him the the results he wanted. But. You know, it's almost funny, Bandrew. It kind of like back in the <laughs> 80s when your parents used to buy you a Nintendo for Christmas or our birthday or whatever, and they bought a Nintendo, but they don't realize that they need the RF splitter too. So yeah. you, you, you unbought the Nintendo, but you can't play it because you don't have the part that connects the Nintendo to the TV. Yeah. So it, it's almost like the same thing with buying this mic in particular. If you bought a Sure, but you don't, and if you don't buy like the cloud or you don't buy something that's going to amplify the game, because as you said earlier, this is a quiet microphone. So depending on the audio interface that you have at your disposal, you might need to buy a, a, a amplifier with it or whatever you call it, cloud lifter. But yeah, you got to do your research when you're, especially when you're spending this amount of uh, this amount of money on a microphone. Do yeah. all the research. Make sure you get everything that you need, and make sure you're using it correctly. And that's pretty much what it is. One hundred percent. And and just to anybody listening, I want to make it abundantly clear: you don't need to spend nine hundred dollars to get good sound. No, not you at all. You can spend fifty bucks, and nobody in your audience will complain as long as you set your levels properly. You're not distorting. You're not clipping. They'll be happy until Definitely. you start getting complaints. That just rock and roll record Amen. have a good time so Do don't don't think you have to spend a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars to get good sound start with a fifty dollar microphone practice you'll get great and people will love it so i just want to make that clear because we're talking about these expensive mics and i don't want people to get the wrong idea no <clears throat> absolutely when i first started off on youtube i brought the blue yeti and it worked well for me for about a year until it died but it worked well yeah and it can work well. That as much crap as I give the Yeti, people can use it correctly. I am just, it's all. It, I've I've said this already, but it's kind of like a meme. Me hating the Yeti so much, <laughs> just saying, "Don't buy the Yeti. Don't buy the Yeti." Right. And I I actually I made an entire Twitter a Twitter video, and <laughs> there was a a clip of PewDiePie saying, "Don't buy the blue Yeti." And I clipped that and just put it on Twitter. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I'm in Blue's good graces anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Shout out to those of y'all listening on audio only. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast with me and Podcastish, Bandrew this week. Thank you very much. If you guys want to support the podcast monetarily, there will be links in the show notes for you to do that. It's not required, but the links are there if you are so inclined to use them. Also, if you happen to be listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review as it helps more people discover Vibe Drive, and we're trying to get the podcast back in the top 200 of Apple Podcasts, so let's go ahead and get that done. Thank you, God, very much. I appreciate you. So, Bandrew, in your opinion, is there a sound difference between a condenser microphone and a dynamic microphone as far as sound output? Excuse me. Absolutely, there's a difference. So, dynamics do tend to roll off a lot of the higher frequencies, so some people might think, or they, they may observe that they sound a little bit less detailed or a little bit less clear or a little bit less open while condensers they do extend from in most cases from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz and they have more of a 
a realistic, authentic sound like you're in the room with it, but you also do pick up a little bit more of the room. So if that's something you're going for, it can really work in your favor to have a condenser mic. But dynamics can sound great too. You can throw on a little bit of EQ and get a little bit more air, which is the frequencies above 10 kilohertz. Throw on a little bit of a boost and get a little bit more open sound. And you can really manipulate the microphones you play with that you're using to get different sound characteristics and bring out different parts of your voice and get the exact sound that you want. So there is a an inherent difference in the sound just based on limitations, but you can get amazing sound out of either type. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank <clears throat> you. So, Bandrew, some mics are USB only, and then, you know, some mics need the XLR cable. Is there, like, a difference as far as, like, mic quality, like, sound quality, and between using a USB only mic and a mic that needs an XLR cable? So... That's that's a little bit difficult to answer because in a USB microphone, that has all of the components. It has the actual microphone. It has the analog to digital converter, which takes that electric signal, that, uh, yeah, that electronic, not electronic, that electric signal, converts it from analog into digital to go into your computer. Um, with XLR mics, you run the XLR cable into a USB audio interface that has the preamp and the A to D converter. So it's a separate unit for the XLR route. Uh As far as if one is better or not, there's really no yes or no there because there, (laughs) I think there's only one USB microphone that's over $1,000 and it sounds incredible. It's an amazing sounding microphone that does microphone modeling so you can do a you can emulate a $30,000 vintage 1947 microphone and it sounds phenomenal but it's $1500 and it probably does sound quite a bit better than a $100 condenser microphone that's XLR but generally speaking if you're buying a $100 USB microphone and a $100 XLR microphone, I think the XLR microphone will give you a better sound because they're able to put all of the money into the actual microphone as opposed to having to pay for the components for the preamp and the headphone amplifier and the A to D converter. So just based on economics, they're going to be able to create a better quality product. I love I love how you get so in depth about this stuff. Thank you, sir. <laughs> My pleasure. Great question. All right, so let's talk about the mic that I am using right now. So as I explained earlier, I am using the Shure SM7B. Now I did a lot of research before I brought this mic. I was I think I was going back and forth between this particular mic and I think it's the Rode Procaster. I think it was. I think I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, I ended up buying this mic because I obviously I watched a lot of YouTube videos uh, comparing the two mics, uh, listening to how they sound. And I liked how the proximity effect sounded with the Shure SM7B. It sounded like it had a little bit more bass in the roll. And fun fact, this microphone that I'm on right now, that I'm talking to you on right now, is the actual microphone that Michael Jackson recorded his Thriller album with. So this microphone is like a studio standard. It's like an industry standard in the, in the studio industry, music industry, things like that. Uh, it's four hundred dollars. It's not cheap, but it lasts a long time. So I'm told. I'm told that this will probably be the last mic I will ever need. So I mean, 
Yeah. It's a four hundred dollar hit, but if I don't have to wrap the bottom of the microphone to get in my life, I'm okay with that. I'm cool. <laughs> so Andrew, I mean, you're better than this than me. You're better than me at this microphone stuff. So explain to us a little bit about this Shure SM7B and why it's so good. So the characteristic that I love about this thing is how soft it is. What I mean by that is if you put this in front of a very harsh sound source like my voice, the recording isn't harsh. It's soft and pleasing. And the fact that Quincy Jones probably had a microphone locker worth $500,000 and he went with the SM7, that tells you something. The guy is, he's not a dummy. He's a super smart dude who knows what he's doing. So Quincy Jones picking this SM7 for Michael Jackson just tells you there's something going on there. But it is a relatively flat microphone. What that means is there are no big boosts in any area in the frequency range, which would accentuate certain areas areas of your voice. So something that I notice on a lot of microphones is when it accentuates the nasal frequencies, which would really accentuate it and make it sound like this. <laughs> it sounds really bad. And that's one of the first things that I hear with a microphone. And you might you may see that in a boost around one kilohertz or 800 to 1,000, somewhere in there. But this is a flat microphone, so you can throw on some EQ to this thing and get really mold it to fit the mix or the sound that you're looking for. So it's a really versatile mic in that regard, and I think that's why it is so popular, because it's versatile and it is it's so pleasing to listen to. It's so soft. That may just be me, though, because I have a harsh voice and I, I don't like it. So anything that will help me, uh, I'm on board with. No, man, it's not just you. Like I said, uh, I watch a lot of YouTube videos uh, talking about this mic, reviewing this mic. I've listened to sound sample from this particular mic, and they all sounded good. Also, this is the mic that Joe Rogan uses for his podcast. So like I said, this mic is literally everywhere. I think like Bandrew said earlier, you'll find it in a lot of radio stations and things like that. So this mic is an industry standard. It's literally everywhere. And I'm like, all right, I want that one. Because the Rode Procaster, <laughs> that's like 130, 170 bucks cheaper. Yeah. But I brought the more expensive microphone because it is an industry standard and it sounds so good. And I heard it last for a very long time. So I'm like, I want that one. Yeah. <laughs> it, it will be the last microphone that you ever buy as long as you, you treat it right. You don't throw it across the room when you get mad. Um I, I haven't I haven't done that yet. This is a note to myself for the record. <laughs> Just, yeah, it'll it'll last forever as long as I don't beat it. Yeah, don't do that. So, Bandrew, I am getting a request in my live chat for you to play an instrument on the podcast tonight. I don't know if you're up for it, but if you are, they, they are requesting your oh. musical your musical talent. <laughs> oh, he pulled out the guitar. Oh, here we go. Ready to get some guitars here from podcast. I don't I don't know any songs off the top of my head. There's some guitar. <laughs> that was pretty good, man. That was, that was pretty good. I, I won't curse the podcast with my singing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the uh, guitar interlude, man. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> so, you know we got to talk about the audio police. Absolutely. Where did, I guess my question are, where did the idea come from and why 
do we have the audio police on YouTube now? Um, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I so <laughs> for Halloween last year, I was doing a bunch of Twitter videos where I would use a microphone that was seen in a horror movie and make people guess what movie it was from and what microphone it was. So I bought a bunch of Halloween costumes, one of them being a police costume. And then I figured, hey, I just bought a bunch of donuts. I have this cop costume. I'm kind of calling out Jay's two cents. Let's try to make it fun like there's some kind of old documentary that I, uh, an old police training video on using the SM7B properly. It's just me being a crazy person and having donuts to eat. So <laughs> there's no no rhyme or reason behind it. I just thought it was kind of funny. So I can call people out and 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 have a bit of fun with it. Yeah, for those of y'all that are not familiar with the audio police, it's when my man Bandrew here dressing up as a police officer and he critiqued people's incorrect using of a microphone like our boy James Toussaint. <laughs> it's, it's quite hilarious. It, it, it's outstanding. <laughs> he, he's been the only victim so far. He's been the only one that I've actually called out so far. <laughs> but it's all in fun, though. We're not bashing people or anything like that. It's all in fun. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So you um you've been on YouTube for a long time. You have over a, you all, you almost have two hundred thousand subscribers. A lot of up and coming creators watch my live streams and podcasts. So I'm curious to get your thoughts. What is the one audio mistake that you see new creators make that just pains you to no end? I'm. Can I give you two? Yes. Okay. So the first one would just be. Oh God, there's so many. I want to <laughs> give you like ten of them. Um, all right, let's go. Let's go. Oh, okay. Okay. Go. So first would be talking into the wrong side of the microphone. Uh -huh. The the number of people that I have seen speak into the SM7B from the side, or the Blue Yeti into the top, just hurts me. Just read the manual, please. RTFM. <laughs> read the the freaking manual. <laughs> Understand the gear that you have. The second is having the microphone too far away. That just means you're going to have a lot more of your room tone than you probably want. Because most rooms that we have, we're, we're all home studio folks. We're all just recording in our spare bedrooms. We don't have tens of thousands of dollars to create a properly acoustically designed room. So it's not going to be pleasing. So just get the microphone closer to your mouth, decrease the gain, decrease the level so you're not clipping and that'll give you a better signal to background noise ratio, meaning your voice will be louder and the reverberations in the room, the background noise will be quieter. And I just alluded to it, the third one I'm gonna give you is don't clip. Clipping is when your audio is too loud and it exceeds zero decibels and it gets that really distorted, nasty sound. And once that's recorded, you cannot fix it. So it's imperative to use my uh, big word for me today. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's imperative that you set your gain appropriately. So you're hitting around negative 18 to negative six decibels. That way, if you get really excited, you don't clip. Hopefully I didn't clip there because that would be embarrassing. But <laughs> that's a general, general idea. As a habitual residential clipper here, I'm pretty sure I keep all of the I, I probably clip every day so it's all <laughs> we need to get you a an analog limiter just a hard negative six <laughs> decibel hard limiter so that that nothing going into the interface gets louder <laughs> that then you wouldn't ever clip again that that might be a good idea maybe so that brings up another point 
on my YouTube video, I don't do anything with audio. I uh, I record the audio, I uh, edit my video on Final Cut Pro, and I put out the audio, audio as is. Mm-hmm. So how does how does one edit audio? Like what what is I mean I mean I know how to edit a video, but how do you, what do you even look for when you're editing audio though? I mean I know obviously you talk okay. about clipping, so I'm pretty sure clipping is the part of it. But like how do you edit audio? So the the first thing that that I would say about processing your audio is stop, don't do anything yet, don't just add stuff to your audio, add don't just add compressors, EQs, whatever. Just because you think that's necessary, when you're adding a plugin or a anything, it should be to solve a specific issue. So if there is too much dynamic range, if you get too quiet, then get too loud, and that makes it difficult for the person listening to your podcast or watching your video, if it makes it difficult for them, then you might want to add a compressor because that makes the loudest parts quieter and then with the makeup gain, it brings the quieter parts louder. So it makes the difference between the loudest and quietest parts a little bit smaller. So it makes it a little bit easier to listen to. With EQ or equalization, you'll just want to... I, I, I've been trying to think of a way to describe this because it's such bad advice to just listen. Because if somebody's new to audio, saying just listen doesn't really help. Right. So I, I don't have a proper explanation on how to listen just yet. I've been thinking about it for like three months, <laughs> haven't come up with anything. But you'll hear a nasty frequency, something, again, to bring this up because this is easy to do, the, hey, uh, there's a nasally frequency. <laughs> you'll hear that, and then on your equalizer, I don't know why, <laughs> on your equalizer, you will, you'll find where that, nasty frequency is and you'll cut that out or if it does sound a little bit dark it sounds a little bit muffled you can add a little bit of treble to your recording so it's in my opinion i know i know there are different schools of thought but mine is you shouldn't be adding processing for the sake of adding processing it should all be to solve a specific issue and it should all be done for the sake of making the listening experience for your audience better. We shouldn't be doing anything for the sake of doing it. It's all about making the best show that we can. So I I don't know know how else, what other processing we could talk about. There's de-essers, those are pretty simple. There's a lot of just one dial de-essers and what that will do is reduce the sound which can be very fatiguing to listen to can make your ears really tired and that will allow you to tame those a little bit without ruining the the top end of your audio so de-essers are another really good one and really essential one okay now what i mean do you use like a certain program to edit your audio yeah so i have a (laughs) i have the most convoluted editing process for my podcast (laughs) because I will record in something called audio hijack and the reason I do that is I was running into buffer size issues in Logic Pro and the issue that causes is random clicks and pops in the recording and I was never able to resolve that so I record in a standalone piece of software called audio hijack then I dump it into Logic Pro where I have a bunch of preset uh, 
processing plugins in there like compressor, deesser. Occasionally, I will have a deplosive in there. A plosive is when you put a puff of air right into the microphone's capsule and it pops and distorts. So sometimes I'll have that in there. And I don't do much EQing. The only thing I do is a high pass filter, which rolls off frequencies below around 60 hertz. There's nothing really useful down there for spoken word. Once I have the podcast audio sounding how I want it, I export that as a WAV file, dump it into Final Cut Pro with the video from my DSLRs for the podcast, then chop it up, edit it, do all that, export an M4A for the podcast release, and then export the MP4 for YouTube. So it's a very convoluted, dumb way. I, I don't know any other way to do it, though. So <laughs> that's that's my processing signal flow. Record one, process another, edit in a third. Okay. So like I said, <laughs> I have never, like, intentionally edit audio, like, ever. But you, um, Logic Pro is a program that you can use to edit audio, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So if you just wanted to edit the audio from this podcast, you would be able to download the video from YouTube right? and then open up Logic, drag the video file into Logic. It would say, do you want to open the video? If you're not editing the video, you could just say, no, don't edit it or don't open it. And then it just dumps in and converts the audio and allows you to edit it right there. Okay. So like I said, I am a noob. So mm-hmm. the way I edit the podcast and I throw the entire video audio all of it into Final Cut Pro and I edit out all the little crap I want to edit out then I export it in audio and I just upload that audio to uh what, what's that program I use um anchor the, okay. the podcast host and that's how I do it is there like any difference in like how the audio is outputted like just exporting it uh through Final Cut Pro as opposed to just putting it in Logic Pro and exporting it through Logic Pro or does it even matter or? It, if you're not doing any kind of processing in logic i don't think it would cause any kind of difference it's it's i haven't looked into what kind of audio codec final cut versus logic pro has but i imagine since they're both by apple they would export using the same audio encoder so okay. i don't think there would be any difference unless you're dumping it into logic to add compression denoise whatever it may be then it, there would be a difference but now, there are actually some audio editing tools in Final Cut Pro, but I'm guessing they don't compare it to what you can do in Logic Pro, right? Well, in Final Cut, I think a lot of them are Apple's stock plugins. So right. you might be able to use those because a lot of those are used in Logic Pro. So you would be getting a lot of the same plugins and you'd be able to use those. And if you do download any plugins, any VST plugins, you would be able to use those in Final Cut. I hate processing audio in Final Cut, though. It is a nightmare because every single time you chop the video and the audio, that creates a second instance of that plugin. So if you do 50, 50 edits, you might end up with 50 iterations of one plugin. But now that I'm thinking about it, if you're doing a multi track, a multi cam video, you might be able to put the processing on that. I may have just put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> well, there may be a workaround for it, but I'm I'm still not a big fan of editing audio in Final Cut. Still not the the most enjoyable. 
Okay. I'm going to have to figure out how to do uh, audio editing and Logic Pro since I have it. I'm never, I have Logic Pro, I just never used it. So I'm going to have to figure out how to use that at some point. <laughs> yeah, just just hit me up. I'll do a, a Skype call with, with you. Or if you got a Discord, I'll jump in a Discord video call and walk you through any questions oh, no, you got. No, Twitter is my Discord. Twitter is okay. my Discord. <laughs> okay. So, fun fact, uh, last week on my live stream, I had the good folks from DD Microphone on here. We were talking audio. And I, was ask, and I was asking them about uh, a mistake that they see new, new creators making. And uh, and Andrew from DD said that the mistake that new creators make that he sees the most is that they use the onboard mic for, for the cameras or iPads or phones. Um, so how yeah. do you feel, Andrew, about people using the onboard mic and not buying an external mic? It bothers me. If, if you can't afford one, don't let it stop you. Use what you got. Make your content. Improve. Upgrade when you have the money. If you do have the money, please buy an external microphone. Please. I <laughs> I was another instance where maybe I should have called the microphone police was all of the television hosts who were using their phone's internal microphone in their <laughs> bathroom while it was 6 feet away from them. It it was Ooh. one of the most abysmal sounding <laughs> things ever for the first 3 weeks of them recording at home. It was so bad. And that it made no sense to me because you would think these television folks have entire teams around them. They have they have dedicated audio teams. Did nobody from that team say, hey, you're going to be streaming from home. Here's a microphone. Use this. Apparently not. No, <laughs> Apparently not, not. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I did see a question from multiple people asking about my love for the free stickers that come in microphones, come with microphones. <laughs> I I hate them. I hate them with all of my being. And here is another sclusi for this show, because I don't think I've ever really publicly explained why. It's because I find it somewhat offensive where you spend 400 bucks for the SM7B, and then in the box they include a sticker with their brand name saying... Now that you gave us $400, why don't you advertise for us for free? That bothers me. I'm not your advertiser. Don't ask me to do that. Just <laughs> give me the damn thing that I paid for and don't expect anything else out of me. <laughs> I'm I'm a curmudgeon. I'm a curmudgeon. You, you <laughs> I know, admit that wholeheartedly. <laughs> you do realize that stickers come with more than just microphones, right? I think every, yeah. every Apple product comes with a sticker. <laughs> yeah, I hate those too. <laughs> I, I know people love their Apple stickers. So I don't get it. Somebody call the sticker police. Actually, we already got the sticker police online here. <laughs> Not only is he the audio police, he's also the sticker police. Don't do it, y'all. Don't do it. Don't give him those stickers. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to evacuate my studio for two hours because, as X Hades Stamp says, I lit a sticker on fire for one of my videos, and then the toxic fumes filled the room, and it stunk like sticker for two hours. <laughs> I had to run. I, I, I had to run an air purifier for two hours. It was what? terrible. Wow, you want burn your studio now? What? It was a stupid idea, but the video was fun. Oh, I don't, I don't even have a comment for that. I'm nothing. I got, I got nothing right now. And on that note, I think we're going to conclude this evening festivity. Thank you to my man, podcasters Bandrew, for joining the podcast tonight. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I have been watching all of these and just waiting to be on. I love your show so much. And 
you are just one of the most enjoyable people. And as I've told you on Twitter many times, you must be one of the most hardworking people on YouTube. And I love what you're doing. So keep doing it. You're going to you're going to blow up one of these days, man. You're going to just blow up and MKBHD better watch your back. He's coming (laughs) for you. (laughs) I don't know about all that, but I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get out of here, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, Easy. It is podcastage.com. Podcastage.com. All the reviews, all the videos, links to everything. I got to start doing that. People are like, where can can we find you, Viper? Viper Viper.com. It's all there. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. All there. It's super. If you have one more minute, I'll tell you exactly why I do it. Absolutely. Go ahead. Because, as you can tell, I don't like promoting things. I don't like promoting other people's companies. I don't want to promote Twitter. They don't need any any additional promotion. I don't want to promote YouTube. They don't need any additional promotion. So I will just promote my website. And then if any of these services go down, people still know where to find my stuff. Boom. And I'm just promoting my URL, not YouTube, not Twitter, not there Facebook. You there you go. <laughs> For those of y'all listening on audio only, thank you for listening to another edition of Vibe Drive this week with my man Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week to the podcast. Um, if you want to follow Podcast, his link will be in the show notes. So definitely go down there and check him out. He is definitely legit, especially if you need mic information. He is the go-to guy. So definitely go check him out. If you want to support the podcast monetarily, there will be information in the show notes. Um, it's not required, but anything that you were willing to donate, and greatly appreciate it. And those links are in the show notes. So thank you for checking those out. Also, if you happen to be listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review as to help more people discover Vibe Drive. Trying to get more people to come hang out and listen to these podcasts each and every week. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But until the next time, people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back, bummer.